everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? This is the Sorry About the Mess podcast with your hosts, Stefan Bell and Michael Crable. Sorry about the mess. I'm going to regret this. Good morning. Nice of you guys to drop by. This is madness. This is ridiculous. We know. Are you brainless? Yeah, pretty much. Hello, kids. Welcome back to the Sorry About the Mess podcast, episode 39, coming at you here on Friday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, so hope um, all of the Latin countries are doing well today, celebrating a great and glorious day for their heritage and all the whatnot, and to celebrate that, I had Qdoba tonight, which is the ripoff for uh, Chipotle, still tastes pretty good, but anyone else who out there who didn't know it was Cinco de Mayo, I'll just say happy Friday officially. It is great to be back. Sorry it's been so long, but I have to say we have a great show for you tonight discussing a little bit about Marvel films. We're going to have a little bit of anticipation of what we're going to see this this week, but before we get into that, I have to introduce my co-host, my longtime friend and better-looking compatriot here, Mr. Stephen Bell. Welcome back to the show, Thank pal. you. It's uh, been a while since we've actually done one of these things, you know, together. Um, been really busy over the last few weeks, but it's nice to get back in it a little bit uh coming up on our one year anniversary pretty soon so that'll be kind of fun um but you know what since yes. it is cinco de mayo today i i celebrated by having italian food so i uh, oh wonderful <laughs> you know where my head was at today not even thinking at anything yeah. about that Honestly, I didn't either because I got to Qdoba and you, you've been to Qdoba. Mm. The line was to the door and I made a choice. I'm like, I can either stand here for 25 minutes or I can leave and go home and make myself something to eat. But I, I stuck it in for the mm-hmm. long haul and because it's worth it. I think it's that good. And I was very, very well compensated with the food that mm-hmm. I got. And I came home and watched the Cavaliers dominate the Raptors. If you're an NBA fan out there, thank you. LeBron James is awesome. <laughs> anyway, got to get that plug in there. Also, I want to say from another plug, you can find us, Sorry About the Mess Podcast, on Twitter, on Facebook, and SoundCloud, iTunes, any podcasting apps. Simply search Sorry About the Mess email. Any comments, concerns, questions, feedback, advice to satmpodcast at gmail.com we're still waiting on our first one I'm, I'm just joking we've gotten a couple uh, we average maybe about two or three a year which we do appreciate but thank you so much for the continued support please hit us up on those sites and continuing supporting us as we relish in the the challenge that is to you know i guess produce somewhat decent content but anyway i Stefan, by the way, did you know we're going to go see a movie this weekend? <laughs> yes, I had a large hand in, you know, kind of organizing that. Um, yeah, okay. Okay, I'm glad we're still on the same mm-hmm. page uh, because we thought it would be a good idea tonight not to only, you know, preview our anticipation for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Dose, that is for my Cinco de Mayo people. Uh, we also thought it would be nice to kind of rewind the clocks a little bit, beginning almost nine years ago. So when the the whole beginning of this whole Marvel craze mm-hmm. started with the first Iron Man film, but I have to preface this, Stefan, you never saw that in theaters. That was not your first Marvel film, if I'm remembering correctly. Is that, that is right? correct. The first one that I actually saw in theaters was Iron Man Two. Um, that was my introduction uh, to the MCU. Oh. I'd heard about you know Iron Man coming out. I'd heard about the Incredible Hulk. Um, 
but I never saw either of them. And I had actually no plans to see Iron Man 2. Um, I went kind of on a whim. Uh, some friends were going after an event that I went to, and I said, all right, sure, let's, let's give it a shot, see what happens. Uh, it turned out to be really interesting, I thought, and uh, a lot of people dislike that movie, but that was you know my introduction, and it holds a, a special place in my heart. Well, we will certainly get to that as we go along here. That was not my first film, and neither was Iron Man, uh, released back in May 2nd, 2008, directed by John mm-hmm. Favreau, and obviously starring the wonderful Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, really kind of kicked this whole thing off, and I, as I'm, I'm thinking back to that time, after we're coming off you know, the, the most recent superhero films, that, of course, that would come later that year, The Dark Knight, I don't know if you even can classify Nolan's Batman trilogy as superhero, but it was definitely a comic book genre. Mm-hmm. Marvel leading off the charge with Iron Man, it was a very interesting move for sure. Mm-hmm. It was definitely testing the waters because I never heard of Iron Man before. I never saw it in theaters when it came out. I only saw it like on an FX or TNT whenever it came on as a TV movie, and I absolutely loved it. So what what was your exposure? When did you ever see the first Iron Man? What were your like thoughts The first time it? I saw the first Iron Man was at a, uh, a friend's house. Um, we were I was over at her house with a bunch of other friends. Uh, we were hanging out, um, and we were kind of deciding what we were going to watch. We had watched one movie that day. I think it was um, The Great Escape with... Uh, oh, the name of the actor is escaping me, but, you know, the classic film, uh, Escape from a Prison... Um, then we had, you know, had some time to kill before we all had to part ways. So we decided, okay, what are we going to watch next? Iron Man came up. Uh, that was the first time I had seen it. That was probably 2011, I want to say. So several years after it originally released and a couple of years after I had seen the sequel to the film. So it was kind of interesting to connect the dots and see, okay, where is all of this leading? Um, but yeah, like I, I enjoyed the movie. Um, but you know, Iron Man Two was really the one that kind of got me started on the whole thing. And really, if you, in my opinion, the more quote unquote comic booky movie of the two, um, because Iron Man, the original one, really takes itself kind of seriously. It's, uh, it's the the, yeah. the origin story of Iron Man set in kind of a modern day post 9-11 world we're talking about you know terrorists from the middle east we're talking about uh you know arms dealers uh all that you know mixing up into uh a more technical kind of suit than we had seen you know in the, the actual origins of that character um you know the conversion of uh tony stark's butler jarvis into an ai um is big a big switch there um, so it really, you know, kind of brought that superhero's origins into a new age, but it really does kind of take things a little more seriously. And as time has gone on, uh, the Marvel franchise has really kind of become um, a lot more lighthearted, I want to say. Um, it's it, it's really embracing yeah, sure. the, the superhero genre and its kind of comic book origins, um, but we'll get more into, you know, some of that transition a little bit later. Yeah, the, you bring up a good point because the world that they built with Iron Man definitely more mm-hmm. realistic with just a little sci-fi twist on it. For me, or, or I guess you could say comic book more fantasy, but for me, I actually loved it. It felt very lived in. It felt like it was almost realistic. Mm-hmm. 
and, and the basic main plot of the film, especially how he ends it. Like the, the ending is the I am Iron Man and like the people go nuts. Like that's, that is Tony Stark and his ego. That is him, you know, playing into that. And Robert Downey Jr. does a phenomenal job. For me, it's still to this day, one of the most rewatchable um, Marvel films mm-hmm. and one of the more enjoyable for me. That does not necessarily translate to the next one that came out, uh, the following. So this is the beginning of phase one. This was the mm-hmm. new thing. So literally just over a month later, and at which I never, looking back at the timeline, kind of a weird setting. It came out, Iron Man came out May 2nd, 08. Incredible Hulk drops June 13th, 2008. And that is directed by Louis Zeterrier. And it starred, it starred, um, what was his name? Uh, Eric, um, Wow, that's really, that's really unfortunate that I can't remember his name. Right off the top of my head. Yeah, I know. I can see I the guy's face. Hold it's on Edward a second. Norton. Excuse me. Um, it is... Edward Norton. Edward Norton, that's it. It sounds like Edward Norton. Yes. I kept thinking <laughs> okay. Eric Bana, but Tyler... that was the guy from the Hulk yeah. movie from, like, what, 2003? Yes. Fun fact that it's something I'm not proud of. I've seen the, the live-action Hulk films that have come out in our lifetimes. I've seen both of them in theaters. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the best money spent in my opinion but it also starred Liv Tyler who looks amazing in the film and then um, Tim Roth which he would go on to become famous in the TV show Lie mm-hmm. to Me so that was a very interesting casting choice going looking back and, and saying that I loved Lie to Me and then saying oh wow look at there recognize one of those guys he was the antagonist this film didn't really do it for me it introduced the Hulk mm-hmm. uh, as the second iteration which it was not the last the Marvel uh scene would see if as far as who's going to play their their main uh main star for the green yep. guy but it wasn't as bad in and it wasn't bad it wasn't good mm-hmm. in my opinion it was serviceable it introduced us to the halt character but it, he really kind of of all of the films besides captain america the first avenger which we'll get to it kind of plays in its own mm-hmm. era. It does not. I think it's the most disconnected Marvel film looking oh, yeah. back, and I think it's because obviously you don't have uh, Edward Norton playing uh, Incredible mm-hmm. Hulk anymore. And I, I think that's very true. Um, really, the only connection from that film to the rest of the MCU is uh, Thunderbolt Ross. The um, Betty Ross's father, the general that was in that movie. Um, I, I can't remember the name of the actor. Um, he showed up in uh, Civil War uh, later on in the mm-hmm. franchise. And then the the post credit scene that ties in Iron Man and uh, Incredible Hulk together. Um, basically, all the rest of the events of that film don't really have anything to do with uh, the MCU as a whole, it really just kind of introduces the concept of the Hulk into that world. But, um, but yeah, it, it is, uh, it's not as bad, I think, as most people give it, uh, credit for. Um, I think it's, it's, you know, largely forgettable, but, um, not an awful movie by any means. Um, but it, yeah, it is, uh, largely unimportant to the story overall. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, then after that movie drops, we hit up almost a twenty, uh, almost a full two-year mm-hmm. cycle where we don't get any any Marvel films, which is almost unheard of nowadays. Which you, we start to see a trend mm-hmm. here. So they they set their sights 
with John Favreau returning and Robert Downey Jr. The next film come out May 7, 2010 in Phase 1. The third one in Phase Phase 1, mind you. Iron Man 2, which we had just mentioned was your very first mm-hmm. um, Marvel film seeing in a theater. I did not go and see this either. I had not bought into this. I didn't really know what this mm-hmm. was yet. And I saw this on a TV movie. Uh, it was you know edited and everything, and maybe that added to or detracted rather from the overall experience because I did not mm-hmm. like this at all. I I kind of was was bored. I was kind a lot of the minutia that happens in between the action scenes for me are just kind of very boring. And once again, the, the villain I don't think was very believable. Uh, it was just it just kind of la- laughable because you had um, you had the dude. What was what was his actual name called? Um, I know, obviously, it was uh, Mickey Rourke who played played him. I just can't remember the, what his actual the character's name was name? supposed to be. Um, yeah. I think it was Anton. No, Ivan Vanko. Okay, that's good. Wonderful. That's <laughs> I don't understand how you have a memory like that, but um, he he wasn't very believable. But neither was the goofy dude who was just kind of a joke the entire time. Oh yeah, anyway, the the guy with my uh, Justin Hammer. Um, I forget what the yeah. actor's name is, uh, but yes. uh, 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 I, I I didn't find the film Sam very Marvel. believable. I found it very boring. They went they they yes, mm-hmm. thank you. They went for the over the top action. This is where you had mentioned gone were the days from the lived in very kind of grittier mm-hmm. Iron Man. This one was uh, a more uh, I can't say the word flamboyant, but it was more in your face um, action, mm-hmm. very more more comic know, book colorful. If you will. Like. <laughs> it was, Exactly. It, it, it yeah. takes the, right from the, the very beginning. Yeah, it takes the the Marvel franchise from kind of more of a grounded um, movie, almost in the vein of the Dark Knight, like in the in the terms that uh, you know Nolan's Batman trilogy was very um, realistic for a a comic book movie. Um, those movies, the Hulk and uh, Iron Man, were both similar veins. Um, of those two but uh, really Iron Man 2 kind of kicks off the MCU in earnest Um, it really kind of introduces uh, Nick Fury in a larger way he was in the post credit scene of Iron Man but uh, he actually plays a role there we get the introduction of uh, Natasha Romanoff Black Widow Um, you know development of other characters this is really a world building movie Um, I think that's probably one of the criticisms that some people may have about it is that it's really uh, something of a bridge um, to kind of bring us from that grounded Earth-centric movie to the greater MCU, which is very, you know, wild and fantastic. Um, yeah, which, which to your point, is something that Vision will bring up later on in Civil mm-hmm. War as far as there was a, def- a domino effect that was started with when... Tony Stark came out as Iron Man, then you could trace a definitive line as to, well, since he has done this, here are some things that have happened. And I, and if you're, I guess if we're extending our reach in this fantasy world, that is a very realistic, maybe in repercussion of, wow, once this something is revealed to humanity, how does the world change around that event? Mm-hmm. And um, so that that is a very good point. So overall, you have a higher opinion on this film as like a critical mm-hmm. rating than I do. But uh, I'm wondering how much ma- how much that is between my my TV experience with it versus 
your your first viewing yeah. ever of a Marvel. And that you know you you may be right that uh, some of it could be due to nostalgia, um, but you know I think that it is uh, it really is kind of the movie in my mind that kicks off the MCU because I, I forgot to mention you know the the end credit scene of that movie also introduces Thor, which is really the next big step into. Uh, we're doing something kind of mm-hmm. weird here. Um, the first introduction yes. of uh, a mystical character, I guess you could say, even though they kind of downplay that and try to ground him a little bit more. Um, you know, the idea of a, a Norse god existing um, in this world is kind of uh, a little bit off the wall. Yeah, and why don't we just move right mm-hmm. into that? And it's funny you mentioned grounding because that's exactly what <laughs> happened to him in the film. So um, just about a year later, on May 6, 2011, Kenneth Branagh comes out and directs uh, Thor, starring Chris Hemsworth um, as our main um, main hero, along with Natalie Portman and Tom mm-hmm. Hiddleston. A pretty stacked cast, if I was to go down it. Uh, I have to say, you know, Anthony Hopkins, Idris Elba. Uh, and you know, um, Stellan Skarsgård in there. I mean, just I mean, pretty, pretty impressive. This one I didn't really know what to think about, and it's still kind of an X factor to mm-hmm. me. I I don't find the rewatchability of it very all that intriguing, but I I love the story of it of a, a arrogant son who do does too much is banished for it, then spends the rest of the movie trying to get um, back um, his power, and all at the same time he knows that his like adopted brother has an identity crisis and tries to take over the throne. A lot of stuff going on. Meanwhile, there's this whole Earth thing, and he's trying to get his hammer back. I I, th- I thought this was like a Western mm-hmm. kind of is how where it takes place. And I, I don't know, the idea of a Nor- Norse god mythology like penetrating the Marvel Universe, I couldn't say it any better. This is where things get kind of yeah, weird. Yeah, it really is the introduction <laughs> to the weird element of, uh, of the MCU. Um, but honestly, like, I think Thor is one of the more... You know, intriguing characters in in their repertoire. Um, the problem that I have with this movie is that it's just kind of boring for a lot of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I always have a minor problem with superhero movies that don't have superheroes in them. Um, you know, the yeah. the pull to these characters are that they have these fantastic powers that they can do all of this interesting stuff, and when you you know, strip them down and look at the man behind or the woman, the person behind, um, you know, the mask, as it were, uh, it becomes dramatically less interesting. Um, and that's something that people do constantly in superhero films. I mean, we've had, I think it was Superman 2, maybe, that uh, Superman got rid of his powers. Um you know, we have Thor, where he uh, spends the majority of the movie trying to become Thor again. Um, he's just a guy, basically, at that point. Um, Iron Man 3, which we'll talk about later, is plagued with those kinds of problems. Um, in recent years, they've oh. they've done much less of that. But, uh, you know, superhero movies where you don't have a superhero in it is uh, a little bit frustrating to me. But um, I think Thor does a really good job of you know world building, introducing the the, the cosmic MCU, if you will, um, and uh, you know it, it gives people a lot of big building elements because you know Thor really does kind of um, introduce the conflict, the main conflict in the first Avengers film. So its role that it plays, you know, in the the Phase One movies um, can't be understated. 
Very, very good point. And that it's an interesting shift because from from that from May sixth, and then just two months later, just mm-hmm. over two months, going from this fantasy element, you bring in probably the most believable character in a way with Captain America: The First Avenger, releasing July twenty second, two thousand eleven, yep. directed by Joe Johnston, and starring, of course, our main hero Chris Evans, Tommy Lee Jones, Hugo Weaving. Uh, Sebastian Stan, like a very, very stacked cast mm-hmm. as well. And for me, uh, this film is not really the one of their favorites, but I love it's this film. It's highly First underrated. World War II era, primarily. Yes, I, I love mm-hmm. it. I, I recently, my parents within two days, we watched the entire trilogy for Captain mm-hmm. America, and I look back on this with the fondest memories. Now the nostalgia bugs getting me. This, um, was the first one that I saw in theaters Mm -hmm. and I, I enjoyed it when I saw it. I I loved it then and I still enjoy it. Still enjoy it to this day. I think, I think uh, the idea of, of Steve Rogers, you know, grounding in that uh, American pride, the leader um, and the idea of how the film Mm -hmm. ends is, I mean, the film's tragic. Oh yeah. I mean, and you want to think about Steve Rogers. I mean, they do it. They present it in a lighthearted way because you know they basically don't address it. That you're like at the end of the movie, you're kind of left like, yeah, wow, he's he's in Times mm-hmm. Square. But wait a minute, Peggy's like 90 years old, and that's how they that's how they address <laughs> it. He's like, oh, I just you know, I just had I was waiting for a dance. I can't remember the last line of the mm-hmm. movie, but he mentions that he he was just hoping for one more dance, and like that kind of ends it. And you're like. Oh man, like either she's dead or in like a nursing home mm-hmm. or something. Like, oh, that's terrible. And but man, like I love it to death. I can't say enough about um the the casting choices and the execution. A lot of CGI. That it looks a lot of it little different mm-hmm. uh, with Joe Johnson's take versus what the Russo brothers will do later on. But my my goodness, man, this is my favorite from Phase One. Oh yeah, favorite. and it, it I I think it's a really underrated movie. Um. It's it's got a dramatically different tone from the rest of them, especially the other two Captain America films. This one, you know, it it really kind of takes us a step back in time, um, and really just embraces that kind of optimistic nineteen forties patriotic feel that uh, you can really you know sink your teeth into with these movies. Um, you know, like it, it reminds me in a lot of ways of the Indiana Jones films, um, because you know you're you're off fighting the Nazis. Um, things are, you know, reasonably cartoonish. They're they're kind of just you know a wacky, fanciful take on on the World War II era, which was you know a, a horrible, horrible time in human history. Um, but it it you know kind of polishes up a little bit with that sense of um optimism and naivety that uh you know kind of it permeates that era in the the collective consciousness um it's just a lot of fun i rewatched it maybe a year ago and uh it, it really is an underrated movie um it's a lot of fun it's just a a, a feel-good kind of movie but you're right it does end on kind of a somber note um but it's a i think the the perfect introduction to that character because we want to have the the innocent optimistic roots of Steve Rogers and then it makes you know what he goes through later on um, that much more impactful and shows a, a progression of that character 
Exactly. And you get to see a, in a big way at the end of that movie how that ties into the mm-hmm. Avengers, which that is the big, the granddaddy of them all. Like, that was the first time here that, like, okay, we're going to test the waters. Comic book fans forever have been asking for this. We've always wanted to see this on the, on the live screen or on the big screen, mm-hmm. rather. And in live action, a lot of nerds never thought that day would happen. That would be Marvel's The Avengers released on May 4th, 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, right at the time that we were graduating high school, uh, right around that time, I missed this rush. I did not see this movie until that fall on a out, outdoor movie event when I was a freshman uh-huh. at Olivet, and I knew there was a lot of hype around this. I there was, I mean, I knew how I knew that at least I I didn't study movies big back then, but I knew that it had broken a couple records. You know, at, at that time it had set the opening weekend box office record domestically here. Uh, I had high ratings in Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb. All the all critics were loving it, and they were praising Joss Whedon, who came into the universe, who wrote and directed mm-hmm. the film, about how you were able to balance each character in a, uh, in a superhero movie, getting them enough screen on time, making it believable, and while directing it. And all in all, I thought the movie was highly overrated. <laughs> I came out and went... I, I didn't really... I thought it was a very fun action movie, but I'm like, I'll go watch Die Hard for something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I, I thought it was highly overrated. I still think they're over... Like, the Avengers are overrated. Um, be, other than the fact that it's good guys versus bad guys, and it's a lot of cool mm-hmm. action. But there are a lot of movies that have a lot of cool action... And that's all they are, and they get horrible reviews. So I think there's a lot of a lot of bias that goes into this, in my opinion. If there's any point where where um, your critics' bias lies, I think it is with mm-hmm. this movie. Maybe I'm being I'm, I'm not saying it's like a four out of ten. I just don't think it was the eight and a half nine. I just thought it was a modest mm-hmm. seven, uh, to be honest. I mean, with I you. think it's a fun movie, um, but I I do agree that I think you know the the hype and the kind of the nostalgia beast is kind of in, in full effect here. Uh, is it a fun movie? Yeah, I enjoy it. Um, but, you know, putting it up next to uh, Age of Ultron, I find personally Age of Ultron the more watchable and rewatchable of the two um, because, you know, as much as uh, Avengers is kind of the cap of phase one um it's still kind of in a building point because you're really bringing the group dynamic together um and they really spend the majority of the movie kind of getting these people to start to work together um which kind of you know slows the the movie down a little bit um but you know it's contributions to um you know the pop culture landscape that we have now can't be understated because this is really the first uh, major comic book character, movie character crossover that we've gotten. Yeah, we got, you know, multiple characters appearing in different films. You got some teasers of a larger cinematic universe forming, um, you know, in previous films. But, you know, uh, this is probably the largest scale crossover that had happened, you know, in recent memory. Um and now can really be credited as uh, kicking off this trend of developing cinematic universes. It's it's a thing that 
comic just comic book uh, companies um, it's that film companies overall are really trying to sink their teeth into to develop what is their uh, you know franchise that they're going to make into a cinematic universe they're trying to cross over all the properties they can um, it, it really can all be traced back to the Avengers and the financial success that it brought uh, Marvel um, you know they were a, a, a small to middling um, company back in the day uh, really struggled uh, in times in their history but uh, you know with the release of their phase one films it it you know catapulted them into the stratosphere uh, and it, yes it all to- towards this benefit I'm glad the movie succeeded because if it were to have mm-hmm. flopped I don't know if we would have gotten the subsequent films oh, yeah. and and your point you just mentioned a buzzword for me you said rewatchability. Mm-hmm. This has one of the lowest rewatchability factors of any movies that mm-hmm. I've seen, and I don't know what it is. There are certain films that once you've seen them, I understand that they're not very good. You don't want to mm-hmm. rewatch them, but some films you just you, you're like, wow, they're very fun. Usually, very fun movies that you can turn on in the background while you're studying. I, I can't mm-hmm. watch this movie again. I have no desire to, even though it was good. I don't think it was great. I don't really have a lot of issues mm-hmm. with it. I just I'm like, yeah, it's fine, but I cannot rewatch it. I don't know why. I think. It's just because uh, there's no depth to it. It's all action. It's like, can I just get to this? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, it's the, they're just talking, yeah. and it's kind of pointless. and you know I, that, and that's the thing because like there, I I think there are a lot of rewatchable scenes in this movie, um, but it doesn't add up right. to a, a whole that I feel like oh I got to pop in the Avengers again. That was a great movie. Um, mm-hmm. The writing, on the other hand, I thought was very well done. Dialogue, Joss Whedon is you know a master of crafting dialogue in character interactions, and I think that he um, should be getting a large portion of the credit for making you know that movie and subsequent uh, Avengers films what they are, uh, mm-hmm. because that's a, an immense undertaking, and I think that he uh, you know knocked it out of the ballpark, um, even though it's you know not at the top of the list of, of uh, Marvel films for me. I think that, uh, you know, his contribution should not be, uh, you know, swept under the rug by any means. So, yeah, this is the film that kind of catapults it into phase two. But before we get to that, I have to ask you, Mr. Stefan, looking back on phase one this many years later, mm-hmm. I mean, this was six films in a period of four years. Uh, what do you think is the highlight and what do you think is the big takeaway from phase one as you look back? Well, yeah, phase one really is kind of a building phase in my mind because um, there really is a lot of, you know, finding its way, finding its footing. And now we're kind of on more of a, a definitive path. Um, but uh if I had to pick, you know, a couple of favorites out of there, it's it's so hard to nail it down to just two or just one rather. Um, uh, so I'm gonna pick two. Um, probably my top two movies out of this uh, this first phase, first set of films is actually probably you know even though we we dogged on it a little bit, um, the Avengers and uh, you know Captain America, uh, the first Avenger. You know, Captain America, you know, it's just a, a fun movie that I think doesn't get it enough credit. Um, and then the Avengers film, because, you know, that's the one that really kind of cemented its place uh, and the direction that this whole franchise was going to be going for the next, you know, five, six years. Uh, and we still haven't even hit the end of everything. What about you? Mm-hmm. 
I definitely would say Captain America is the highlight for me. Um, definitely, if you had to summarize the the entire notion of Phase One, it would be you know just under construction. Uh-huh. Uh, Iron Man, I, I think, is the one I look back on with the most fondness, only because that was you know something that was like the first thing. Like, what what is this? Like, I I've never mm-hmm. seen a film like this before. You know, I was in middle school at the time, right? Or transition between uh, middle school and mm-hmm. high school. But the, but I think the the highlight for me is is the first Avenger, and you know after we after we got Avengers and I saw this, I, I knew I, I was introduced to this after I've seen the Avengers. I'm like, okay, I hear my friends talk about it at college. Like, when is the next thing coming out? And there was a lot of hype, a lot of hype surrounding the the film that would come less than a year after Avengers or a one year to mm-hmm. the day which would be Iron Man 3 on May 3rd 2013 directed by Shane Black which now looking back very interesting directorial mm-hmm. choice again returning uh, Robert Downey Jr. Gwyneth Paltrow uh, Don Cheadle um, again as uh, what's his Rhodey what's a uh, war machine mm-hmm. yeah well, well Brody is war machine uh, Guy Pierce is our villain that turns out uh, you know, uh, kind of spoiler alert, and then Ben Kingsley. Now, this film was met with controversy, to say the least. I think the marketing campaign for Iron Man 3 is one of the better ones that I've mm-hmm. seen, and also one of the most misleading ones. If you want to hear me uh, rag on the garbage film that is Star Wars Rogue One, uh, I say that uh, candidly, and that marketing campaign, Iron Man 3 had a marketing campaign that if you go and search Iron Man 3 trailer to this day and watch that trailer, you will love that trailer, I guarantee you, more than the film. Mm -hmm. Because the trailer promises this, like, catastrophic and pending doom and almost the end of Iron Man. Like, the, the last shot of the trailer is him... Without his suit, he's dragging it behind him. There are, there's no music playing. It's he's in the snow at night. He's bleeding, and he's just walking through the snow, and it fades to black with a, nothing but like um, a snowstorm you hear in the background. Very artistic. It was very powerful. The reason why I remember that still is because I was blown away. I'm like, they're really going mm-hmm. for it, and that is the exact opposite as to what happens so i'll let you talk about that stefan but if you look back to iron man 3 this was the first film i saw in mm-hmm. theaters and that's why i was so disappointed what do you think about this film where does it stand out to you with the kickstart of phase you know two? nostalgically um iron man 3 holds a bit of a place in my heart because that was really uh i think the first like midnight premiere that i went to um Oh wow, man! Dedication. Yeah, that was pretty interesting because you know it was a, a special in- event for me. Um, my older brother was going to school in Virginia at the time, and uh, I, you know, went down to go help him pack up and uh, move out for the summer. Um, so you know, he and I we were packing uh, most of the evening. Decided, hey, you know, let's go hit up a theater. Iron Man three uh, comes out today. Let's you know just go ahead and see it. Um, it that was a fun time, fun memories um, of that event. The movie itself was underwhelming, I would say. Um, I agree. Like, the first trailer was really interesting. It builds this, like, oh, gosh, what's going to happen? You're starting to fear for your hero there. Um, but, again, this is one of those movies where you end up getting a superhero that's not a superhero, and that kind of bugs me <laughs> still. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the majority of the movie, you have Tony Stark outside of the suit not being Iron Man. Um 
And, you know, like lead up to the film, we were thinking, oh, we're going to be getting all of these different suits. That was a, a decent portion of the marketing campaign is that, oh, he's been tinkering a lot since, uh, you know, Avengers. And he's got all of these different kinds of suits for different applications that they're going to be using in the film. You know, you see them, but uh, they're little more than kind of a plot device. and They all get blown up at the end. Um, mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. kind of the weird thing um they they kind of tie in the extremis uh storyline from the comics but change it enough and then it doesn't mean anything in the end it was just kind of a plot device to give this one guy the red herring bad guy uh you know some evil superpowers they they neutered a uh a classic uh, character from the comics, the the Mandarin. Um, they've kind of tried to rectify it by saying, "Oh, the real Mandarin is still out there somewhere." Um, but you know, they they were dangling that carrot in front of everybody that this is going to be, you know, a modern take on this terrorist villain guy, um, and we we didn't get that. Uh, you know, the the relationship between Gwyneth Paltrow and Robert Downey Jr. Um, has never really made a whole lot of sense to me and it just continued in that direction for iron man three um just not all that great um it's got a you know again it's got some neat elements to it i think that the idea of you know tony stark having ptsd essentially um towards the beginning of this movie sets him off in uh the place that we see him in age of ultron uh, and kind of, I think, is going to be a catalyst for a lot of things that that character goes through uh, in the rest of the MCU. You know, him reeling from the events of uh, of the the attack on New York, and you know, almost dying. Um, that's really weighing hot on him at the beginning of the movie, and I think they really should have spent more time on him kind of freaking out they were trying to i think they tried to shoehorn too many elements in there and it just came out to be a an ear incoherent hole um also unnecessarily placed at christmas time i don't know why they did that that was just a, a weird choice to me anyways um probably if i had to pick one it's, it's mean, definitely the release you know, my bottom two uh films from the mcu right now you said the release date. I mean, the release date was in the summer. Of Iron Man three. Yeah, it's May third, two thousand thirteen. Yeah. But no, you it, said Christmas. It takes place during Christmas. Oh, okay. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, that definitely an interesting choice. And I, I think if yes, definitely this is one of the worst Marvel films, uh, if not the actual worst. But for mm-hmm. me, it's just a missed opportunity because they really could have explored. You know the PTSD element and how that kind of naturally would have strained the relationship between him and Pepper, uh, but that's not what the movie was. Plus the bait and switch. This is like one of those weird bait and switches. Like, ha, we fooled mm-hmm. the audience. Yeah, because you literally told us that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. Like, th- like that. That's the idea. A twist is effective is if it's believable. This was believable. Only because you told us a lie. It's like, oh, well, obviously that you know mm-hmm. the Mandarin's not the. It's not the the true villain. Like, waha! You guys should have. But that's you know the the problem with that is that you're supposed to do the bait and switch and say, okay, you've got this one person that appears to be the bad guy, and then you flip it around and say, oh, there's this other person, and he's way worse. 
um, you know, the more yeah. interesting of the two bad guys was going to be the one that we thought we were getting, and it turns out to be yes. this disgruntled nerd. Um, so yeah, yeah, like that's that's much better. Mm-hmm. He's the janitor for the university. He's the actual. He's the actual yeah. villain. Well. Because, um, well, you go from that film that would kind of... I don't even know how this scored, to be honest. I don't mm-hmm. care. I didn't like it. And we go from that in May 3rd, 2013 to Thor The Dark World, the sequel. Uh, Alan Taylor directs this. Came out November 8th, 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, returns our heroes and heroines uh, of the first. Adds a little bit of, of new and fresh faces just to Thor's little yeah. posse. This one was kind of forgettable oh yeah i Thoroughly honestly forgettable. Before, I as i was looking kind up, of is is a word you should use it is <laughs> flat out a a missable movie you do not need to see this film now i remember there's the elf and then there's that red mm-hmm. goo and then something happens and this is the last time we truly see um natalie portman and yeah. like that's it like that's the only time thing i remember i didn't like it when i saw it i don't like it now i haven't seen it since. It, it's it's go. really frustrating for me because i you know i like the character of thor i think that there's a lot of really cool things you can do with this guy but this was just a waste of time really the only yeah. things you need to know about this movie are that uh you know in the end loki is masquerading as odin and Thor just goes and decides to spend some more time on Earth to be around with Jane, and that doesn't work out. Um, no. The re- all, they introduce another Infinity Stone in this movie, so that's really our first Infinity Stone since um, since the te- was it Tesseract? Yeah, Tesseract from Tesseract. Uh, yep, from the first Avengers film. So really, this is kind of you know kicking off. Um, a larger concept of the infinity stones it's really our, our, our continuing quest to get there um but yeah it's it's yeah, yeah not good mm-hmm. uh, not very no. good just boring and, and that's really that, that's kind of like the worst sin of a movie can have because you know it there's a point for movies where where the the badness of it uh swings back around and becomes you know ironic I uh, watchability. Um, this one is just, it's just boring, and that's the worst thing that movies can be. Yeah, even though that, they, you know, you're they right, tried, that is a it just didn't work. Very, very good point. Um, but you know, then we have this juxtaposed with what most people will consider the high point of the MCU. Uh, you know, a year after, well, not even a year, just a few months, maybe six months afterwards. Um, we got uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Um, you know that one being directed by Joe and Anthony Russo. Um, they are really leaving their mark on the MCU. They've come back, uh, you know, twice now. They'll be four-time directors, I think, by the end of uh, the second Avenger or fourth Avengers film. Excuse me. Um, uh, screenplay written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Um, Michael, what were your opinions on uh, The Winter Soldier? Yeah, I went to see this um, towards the latter end of my, I guess, my sophomore year in school. Mm-hmm. And my goodness, man, I was not expecting a film like this. Some of the action sequences of this are so well mm-hmm. directed. It is more of a political and, and spy thriller. The softer moments in the film when there's not action, they actually have purpose and they add depth to the yeah. characters. And the idea of um, the idea that the Winter Soldier actually being 
the long lost friend of Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes. I mean, I knew that already. I was it was spoiled for me because I had friends talking about the actual mm-hmm. comics, and but like it played off really well, well acted, well directed. One of my more fond memories of this was cramming into a very small theater down in Kankakee, Illinois and seeing a very discolored version of this film, like the color gradient was <laughs> off. It was almost black and white. Oh, I'm not kidding. And I know that the Russos chose to use a very realistic, very, you know, color like more grayscale anyway, but the film practically lacked mm-hmm. anything. Uh, and so it kind of added this, you know, by accident and by the cheap quality of the projectors being used, it added this more rustic feel to it that was already uh, that was already yeah. there. I mean, go figure. But man, this this is, I, is it my favorite of of all of them that mm-hmm. have come out? Yes, I have to say yes, but it's by a slight margin. Uh, but this this had everything going for it, and it's in particular the smaller moments between Steve. And uh, Black mm-hmm. Widow, uh, that for me, even though they were not building any sort of sexual tension, it was just two good friends. And that was the first time in a long time you see two movie stars, you know, hang out as just kind of friends, and they respect one another in that way. I just thought that was mm-hmm. really well played. You know, it is a really well done film, but you know, I see that relationship in specific. Uh, as a very different thing um, because you're right it was you know reasonably platonic uh, in the film but they still couldn't resist you know having that one scene where they share a kiss even though oh, yeah. it was you know just to get some uh, people who were following them off their tail uh, they still had to do that I would have rather you know that had been cut out completely they just ditched all of the sexual tension that may or may not have been there um and just go with a a friendship between those two people um you know that was one of the the disappointments of this movie is that i think they maybe started leading on to a romance between natasha and steve but um that doesn't really pan out at all in the end um and I thought that was kind of uh, no. a weird thing. I'm I'm happy the way that things you know ended up, but um, just kind of a weird element to be thrown in there and kind of unnecessary in my mind. Um, but you know, still overall a, a really good movie. I don't know if I would say that is my favorite MCU film so far, but um, a solid solid entry into the movie. And you know, funny like I mentioned before that it's juxtaposed with uh, Thor: The Dark World. Um, in my mind, this is really kind of the the, the change point of um, the NCU. They had had a couple of clunkers uh, right next to each other, but um, they really you know bumped things up a notch once they got to the Winter Soldier, and they've really, in my opinion, kind of been off to the races since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a very good point. Um, you know, for me, it's kind of like the Harry Harry and Hermione situation that it seemed like the on screen chemistry between the characters uh, like Natasha and Steve and the Hermione and Harry are actually better on screen than maybe what they wanted yeah. to, uh, to be. And I, I think the, definitely the relationship between, you know, Steve and Natasha is much more believable than, 
<laughs> it's much more believable than than Banner um, and Natasha. Uh, Bruce mm-hmm. and yeah, like like what? Like, but I, I like that so. more personally. Um, we can get into more of that, you know, when we hit Age of Ultron. But uh, I I like that dynamic a lot more than I did, you know, Steve and Natasha. So okay. the next film on uh, the list is, uh, you know, kind of the the reason that we're kind of talking about this um the original guardians of the galaxy film that came out august 1st 2014 directed by james gunn written by james gunn and nicole perlman um you know this is uh another one of those movies that doesn't quite feel connected to the greater mcu even though we know it is and you can point to things in that film that say okay see thanos is there they had an infinity stone um you know there's these connections that we know that this is going to tie in later um but it feels so removed because they're they're off in another corner of the galaxy they don't necessarily need to play by the rules of what they've been setting up in the greater mcu um and you know just as the winter soldier was kind of a, an introduction to a completely different genre within this uh these you know comic book films um, they did a spy thriller with that. Guardians of the Galaxy is really kind of, you know, a, a comedic space epic. Um, an incredibly funny film. Just a fun, fun movie overall. Um, I, I quite enjoyed that movie a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Michael, what what was your opinion of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie when it came out? The, definitely the most fun film that I've seen in and in, mm-hmm. in it and this is the only one that I had to decide between whether is it's it really your favorite Captain, or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Is is it is it Captain America, um, the Winter Soldier, or is yeah. it this one? I, I think the the better film is is the Winter Soldier, but this is so much fun and it has that cross between Star Trek and Star mm-hmm. Wars, but yet with a kind of like this twist. I, I can't go wrong with this this movie, honestly. My parents loved it. My dad, of course, you know, my dad I think loves it just because of the soundtrack. And my dad <laughs> is joining us, by the way, on Sunday. Oh, good. Which will be it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I don't think he wants to come sometimes. He feels like he's intruding. I went, literally, of all the people that won't care, it's our group. <laughs> so I, I told him that. So he, he'll be mm-hmm. joining us, but... Gosh, they, they, these back-to-back films—they crushed it with both. This did so well at the box office; it made like eight hundred million yeah. domestically. They did. This was the, like, you know, that Marvel is successful mm-hmm. when. How, how Stefan? How did you describe it to me? Pitch this movie to me when again. When you can put in a talking raccoon and a sentient tree into your movie, you know that like anything you touch is going to turn to gold. That's how confident they were in this happening you know guardians of the galaxy you know we had all these other movies come out you know iron man people knew who he was maybe not as much as you know like the big the big marvel character that everybody would know is spider-man um you know going back decades um but you know iron man people knew who he was thor they were kind of familiar captain america yeah everybody knows who that guy is too um you know the hulk another big character these are like the the big players that they had been using and then they decided to take a left turn out of nowhere and go with this you know backwards know nothing property um that no one really heard of cared about except out of you know uh, hardcore comic book fans um 
you know, like I I had been you know learning more and more about you know the Marvel universe and their comics uh, since kind of being introduced to uh, Iron Man two. But, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy came out of left field for me. Um, and I had to, you know, dig and try to figure out who these guys were. Mm-hmm. Um, but it uh, part of what made that movie so fantastic was how unexpected it was. Um, you know, yeah. I, I had a feeling early on that this was going to be um, something special, but I couldn't really articulate that. And a lot of people were very skeptical. Um and but it, it really just turned out to be uh quite honestly i think the highlight of that entire year 2014 was the year of guardians of the galaxy as far as i'm concerned um which is you know fantastic we always have that film um but it makes me a little bit scared because you know guardians of the galaxy volume 2 has to live up um at least in part to that high standard you know the the uh crazy unexpected nature of the first one isn't something that you can really necessarily replicate um but people are you know familiar with these characters they've become like attached to them um so they're really gonna have to work hard to introduce us to these guys again and continue them in uh, a way that everybody is satisfied with um Everything I've seen up to this point looks good to me, but uh, the, you know that is kind of a fear that I have in the back of my mind. Is like, can they really live up to the first one? Um, early reviews seem to be positive, but uh, you know we'll have to just wait and see. Yeah, I remember, man. Just take your own advice. Don't have any expectations. Yep. That's exactly you know how I, I try to go in and do things. Lower your expectations. Go in fresh, uh, and you you know generally won't be disappointed um that's how i'm planning on approaching this one but you know that's that little thing is in the back of my mind is like okay are people really going to react to this one the same way that they did the other one you know who knows but uh i'm totally excited to go see uh part two this weekend mm-hmm. okay i gotcha um that's that's where for me i am honestly trying to just Take a step back and go. What I want to enjoy a movie mm-hmm. for a change, and don't care what anyone else has said about it. So I'm gonna I'm trying to take a new perspective, and it seems like you're trying to fight to keep your old one. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure if well, I'm trying to fight to keep the old one, but you know that I think that is uh, um, the the general opinion that um, I get from from people in general. Is like, okay, the last one was great. Can the second one be uh, as good? But you know, we'll just have to kind of wait and see. Um, but, you know, the the next one on the film uh, list was good, in my opinion, but not as well received as uh, a lot of people say. Um, part of that makes me wonder, like, did it have anything to do with being, you know, bumped up right next to Guardians of the Galaxy and, uh, you know, the, comparing it to the original Avengers? But um, it's Avengers 2 that's not really the title but you know age of ultron um directed and written by joss whedon this was his second and uh looks like final uh foray into the mcu um you know personally i think that age of ultron is uh the more enjoyable of the two movies um we've we've foregone with all of the, the group dynamic building stuff we we just jump straight into the adventure um and that's really how the the movie begins is that they're you know off hunting uh hunting the hydra agents that uh kind of cause shield to collapse 
in Winter Soldier. Um, and you know when you when you stack everything up, these movies just become more and more interconnected as time goes on. Um, you know, Captain America: Winter Soldier can be viewed as the sequel to, uh, you know, Captain America or a follow-up to Avengers. Um, but Avengers: Age of Ultron is as much a sequel to the Winter Soldier as it is a sequel to the original Avengers film. Um, so the, the the lines are really blurred within trilogies and uh, the series and the connections between things. It's really all one entity, which is a lot of fun, and uh, I really like that. Um, you know, we talked about the, the Natasha Banner dynamic a little bit. I, I really enjoyed that because, uh, you know, maybe it's, you know, the, 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 the dork inside of me that uh, thinks, oh, isn't it kind of cool that the... You know, the beautiful woman uh, starts looking a little bit deeper and then finds uh, love with this, you know, kind of crazy guy who turns into a green rage monster in the end. Um, I just kind of think that that dynamic was really sweet, that she really kind of pursued him. That banner was really the the one that um, was a little more reluctant in the end. Um, it just seemed really genuine to me. The dialogue in this movie, um, I thought was a lot of fun. There's a lot of, you know, funny, funny lines in that. Um, like I said before, Joss Whedon, I think is a master of dialogue. Um, one of my favorite lines in that whole movie is, uh, you know, they're trying to console, uh, Banner after, you know, hulking out in the opening scene and, uh, Natasha goes back and says, okay, Thor, will you report on the Hulk? Uh, he like walks over and says the the gates of hell are filled with the screams of his victims, um, but not you know not screams of you know death or pain or anything, uh, just uh, whining, a great deal of complaining and uh, you know complaints of sprained deltoids and uh, gout, and he just kind of looks to the ground and shuffles away. <laughs> the idea that you know like he suddenly is trying to like patch this up. Um, to try to make his friend feel better uh, it really just kind of brings an element of believability into the dialogue between these people not so much that like oh I am uh, I'm Thor the god of thunder and I'm going to be talking to you like I'm Thor the god of thunder um, this guy suddenly becomes a real person <laughs> he's someone that you know says the wrong thing at the wrong time sometimes and is trying to, to you know pedal backwards and fix it um, I thought that was really well done um you know, you get more of the the challenge to uh, his core values, um, Captain America's core values that you got from uh, the Winter Soldier, and that just gets continued in Age of Ultron. You get to continue the thread of mm -hmm. uh, you know Tony's PTSD and want to uh, secure the world, and that really kind of kicks off the main conflict of this movie. Um, it's this is the beginning of the divergence between Cap and Iron Man. Um, it's, it's really kind of, you know, a, a new splitting point for everything. And that's kind of what I think the Avengers are. It's the culmination of a lot of things. And it's also the, the jumping off point for the next, um, next event mm -hmm. series. Um, you know, I like the introduction of some of the new characters. Um, Vision was really well executed integrating, uh, Jarvis into, uh, you know, a larger part of the movie. Um, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. It was interesting to see Quicksilver in two separate movies that summer. He was in Age of Ultron, and then he was <laughs> in the X Men movie. Two different versions of the same guy. 
Um, that was a, a really bizarre kind of thing. Um, as far as th- all of that goes, I think that, and this doesn't happen very often, X-Men did him better. Um, the, the Quicksilver sequence yeah. in Days of Future Past far outshines Ooh. anything that, um, what was his name, Aelin? Aelin? No, Aaron Taylor Johnson, I think was the name that played yes. um, Quicksilver in uh, this movie. Um, I think, you know, what was his name? Evan Peters far outshined uh, this guy in anything that they did with that character in this movie. Even though, you know, uh, he provides kind of a valuable uh, service to the universe overall, um, they kill him off. They, it, it shows that you know our heroes aren't um aren't untouchable these are people that can die that things can happen to them um but yeah just a, a fun movie overall james spader uh, as ultron um that actor is just really intriguing to me he's got a very cool uh voice um and i think he did a perfect job as ultron um i've been yammering for a while about this michael what are your opinions on this movie uh, I'll keep it really brief because there's not a lot mm-hmm. here. There's, a lot of stuff happens. Doesn't really, you know, has a lot of unintended consequences. In, in my overall opinion, like, yes, you see Vision created, but a lot of stuff happens in a very short amount of time. I'd like it sometimes that if sequels kind of toned it back a little mm-hmm. bit and explored more characters, but except uh, like it's more explored more of the characters like stories. And kind of what they mean to the overall meta narrative, yeah. relative to let's just let's just make it bigger and better and bolder than the <laughs> other one. I went, that's kind of what you see sequels go mm-hmm. wrong. Like the reason what was so beautiful about the Empire Strikes Back is that you had different locations. You didn't really have a whole lot of new characters. I mean, yes, you did have new characters, but it really gets into what makes our main characters that we love tick mm-hmm. so much. And overall, by the way. You're, they're going to be in more desperate circumstances. It doesn't go for the 75 space battles and, oh, well, you know what? We have a lot of misbalance, so somebody has to die. Well, let's write this Quicksilver person in here because his whole purpose was to die. Yeah, more or less. That was his whole purpose. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> for me, it's it's serviceable film, much like our next one that we'll discuss, mm-hmm. but overall, it I, I can forget it. And now, like, the whole visual of the last act though of the island or basically or the 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 land basically coming down as a bomb Uh as a meteorite that was really cool i'd like the visual on that but still the very last end of the movie what vision does to uh, does to uh, Mm -hmm. ultron and you don't see it just as flash of light they never explained that but there was a reason why it was off screen and i have no idea if they have a seed planted Mm mm-hmm but you never saw it. It's just bl- this brilliant flash of yellow light, and then that's yeah. it. Yeah, I don't know. Ultron is one of those characters that keeps popping back up in uh, the comics. So it's possible that, you know, he may not have been totally eradicated. Uh, but, yeah, I thought that there were a lot of uh, really well-done scenes in that movie. Um, personally, it's a, it's a favorite of mine. Um, probably definitely uh, top two in... Uh, in the yeah, the whole phase two set of movies, um, but you know that that doesn't mean that uh, there weren't other really great ones. Especially you know the next movie, Ant Man, uh, released July seventeenth, two thousand fifteen, directed by Peyton Reed and written by a whole bunch of people. Um, Edgar Wright, yes. 
uh, Joe Cornish, Adam McKay, and Paul Rudd. Um, you know, this movie was kind of plagued with problems early on. Um, it was kind of the the love child of uh, Edgar Wright. He was really championing this um, for a long time, uh, but you know, ended up leaving the project early on, uh, or you know, shortly before. I think it was going to be going before cameras, uh, citing you know. Uh, creative differences between his uh, vision and Marvel's. Um, they brought Peyton Reed in to do it, and I thought he did a, a pretty good job. You know, you could really tell that there were a lot of Edgar Wright uh, influences on this movie, but, um, you know, bright spot in it was uh, you know, Paul Rudd as uh, as Ant-Man. Um, the, the fact that they, once again, did a bit of a different... Uh, genre within superhero movies. Um, this was kind of a, a comedic take on a heist film. Um, I really enjoyed having uh, you know Evangeline Lilly in there. I think that she brought kind of a, a fun dynamic in and uh, adequately teased the introduction of Wasp later on. I liked having um, mm-hmm. the actor's name is uh, escaping me. Um, he played uh, Hank Pym in that movie. Um, Michael Douglas. Oh, good lord! That took me forever. Yes. Um, I thought Michael Douglas was a great addition to the cast. He kind of played that old curmudgeon-y guy um and mentor uh in the movie. I thought that you know his backstory, um, and you know the the history that he had with that character um as the Ant Man. Um, was some of the more interesting parts of the movie um, and his relationship to his daughter, um, the disappearance of his wife um, in kind of the quantum realm. Um, I thought all of that was a, a really fun, uh, fun time. Again, this is kind of plagued by a forgettable villain. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, I don't even remember the villain to be honest. Uh, he with was you. supposed to be was um, uh, Yellow Jacket, I think was the name of the guy. Basically oh, had the same abilities right. as Ant Man, but just evil. Um, yeah, not not really no, all I, that interesting to be completely honest. Uh, but it was a, a fun movie, quite honestly. Um, a lot of people cite uh, Michael Pena as being kind of a standout in that movie, um, his character and how he uh, interacts with everybody. Um, yeah, like fun movie. I wouldn't say it was the, the best of uh, Phase Two by any means, but um, you know, a fun way to kind of cap things off. Yeah, definitely one of the better action sequences is when you know this big grandiose thing. This train's coming towards him, and he gets hit, and you see the little toy train just topple yeah. over. Like that was. Awesome. I think that whole sequence uh, was kind that, of a leftover film... from Edgar Wright. Um, that felt very much uh, you know something from his mind. Mm-hmm. And the infinite regress of going smaller and smaller and smaller and how the 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 self-proclaimed people who said, oh my gosh, I, I found all the Easter eggs in, in this, this one phase. I'm like, uh, okay, uh, okay, uh, sure. So it's kind of like the same people, like, Ahsoka's dead! We saw her walk away, but Ahsoka's dead. Like, what are you watching? Yeah. Okay, I, I, we're not watching the same thing. But I, I like this movie. It's good. I haven't rewatched it since. I don't have a big desire mm-hmm. to. But I'm not a huge movie rewatcher if it's not Star Wars anyway, so I'm kind of biased. But I, I thought this was good. I thought the humor worked very well for what they were going yeah. for, and I thought the sequel, the post-credit scene for this, you know, setting up um, the Wasp, very well done. Actually, I, I 
I definitely am a fan. And as I look back over Phase 2, I, I find Ant-Man to be very mm-hmm. serviceable. It certainly was not the worst um, definitely because it, it didn't necessarily start out the best in my opinion, but definitely peaked with the last three movies coming, uh, or la- I mean, I don't know, last three of the four if I exclude Ultron, but for me, the high point here is the Winter Soldier and the most fun I've had in quite a while in a the movie theater with Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy. Yeah, I would say that, you know, if I had to pick, narrowing it down to one is so difficult, it would definitely be Guardians of the Galaxy for phase two for me. Um, but you know, Age of Ultron is a, a, a favorite of mine um, in a lot of ways, so that that will always hold a bit of a special place in my heart. But um, overall, solid solid entry into uh, the MCU with Phase Two. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to say like if you were to compare the two, Phase One and Phase Two, um, which one would you say was better? Personally, I think uh, you know Phase Two was stronger than Phase One. Um, but I'm not sure, you know, what people would say about that. Michael, any opinions? Um, I don't know. I think this is kind of setting in stone that Marvel is here to stay and they had a very good reason, you know, financially to support mm-hmm. that with phase two. I definitely think it phase two is stronger film quality yeah. wise. Um, but if we're looking for nostalgia, that's a very, very hard thing to, to differentiate. But I, I appreciate Phase 2 overall better, and it kind of pushes things into to the next phase with a lot of hope. Um, definitely uh, there are criticisms to, have, to mm-hmm. be had, but that doesn't mean they're bad things. It's just that people, the, the higher the quality, the more expectation builds. And, you know, that there, there's a fine balance, um, but it, it, is, it is something that at least for the critical reception starting out with Phase 3 seems to have not... Um, you know, gone down at all. And that's something that, you know, they've been continuously pulling out movies that are not, I mean, honestly, what what do you think is the worst film? Iron Man three or the incredible Hulk. They're not bad Mm -hmm. movies. Like we're talking about films that are maybe in my opinion, like a seven out of 10 or six and a half at worst. I've seen far worse movies that I throw my money at that Mm -hmm. I've just despised. And so for them to continue to put out quality after different directors and have continued continued actors come back for, I mean, my goodness, next year it's going to be 10 years for Robert Downey yeah. Jr. I, that's quite impressive. It really so, is. I mean, what, so what do you think was the biggest challenge facing them between phases two and three? Thus, you know, coming off the success of phase two, which mm-hmm. we discussed, what, what do you think if – you know, looking at those discrepancies, where did they? Where did you think they were gonna you go? You know, honestly, I think that the the big thing between phase two and phase three, if you really to kind of look at this as um, a three act structure, um, which I think we're kind of building to in the end, because the if you were to say what is the story of the MCU, it really does boil down to um, a bunch of people coming together, finding Infinity Stones, and eventually they're going to go up against Thanos. Um, that's kind of where the MCU is leading up to Phase 3. Um, so, you know, for the first uh, phase, we had kind of the, the building action. This was the the initiating phase of the whole story. We're getting our heroes, we're getting to know them, um, and we're getting them together, so we're, we're now hitting that. Um, phase 2 is kind of the crest of everything. This is um, the pinnacle. This is before we start tipping into our falling action. Um, now, in phase three, we're we're into the stick the landing phase. Um, we're we're really you know starting to 
build a lot of steam mm-hmm. on the the overall plot of this movie franchise um and we're, we're really going uh head on into the the ending of phase three and beginning of phase four but we'll have yeah, to see uh, you know, and maybe they won't even call it phase four it, after that it's hard yeah. to say um it's hard it, we really don't know where they're going you know too much farther than you know 2018 we know with their other movies after that 2019 is uh the end of the the fourth avengers movie but uh yeah mm-hmm. we're still kind of you know confused at where everything is going but anyways we'll get to that in a few minutes um we've got you know two more movies to, to quickly talk about and then we'll we'll start wrapping up um Next one, beginning of Phase 3, Captain America Civil War. This came out um, almost exactly one year ago for us. Uh, May 6, 2016, directed by uh, Anthony and Joe Russo. Um, this is their second attempt at a, uh, a Marvel film. They'll be second to four by the end of uh, Phase 3. Um, writers Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Um, you know, another solid entry into the MCU. Um you know, like I mentioned before, as uh, as much as uh, the Winter Soldier is a sequel to uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, it's also kind of a sequel to Avengers um, 1, the first Avengers film. It's really like Avengers 1.5. Um, then we get to Avengers 2, Age of Ultron. Captain America Civil War is, you know the cap to the Captain America trilogy as we know it right now. Um, but in a larger sense, uh, it this is really kind of Avengers 3 in my mind. Um, because it, it, it really has so many characters in it. Um, it it still focuses on you know Captain America's uh, personal story, mm-hmm. but Civil War is really kind of a culmination of a lot of the interpersonal conflicts that they've been building. Um, you know, you get Iron Man, you get uh, Spider Man joining the MCU finally, and a wonderful execution that they uh, did with him. You've got you know Black Widow's back. You've got War Machine, introduction of. Uh, Black Panther, um, you've got the Vision coming back, you've got Scarlet Witch again, um, you know, Hawkeye showing up, Ant-Man, like all of these different heroes are coming together and um, we're seeing kind of the, the teardown point of, uh, of the Avengers. This is them at their lowest point starting to fight each other. Um, so we're really going to be seeing them building back up later on, but it also tells you know kind of a more um, personal story with Cap having uh, you know an internal conflict of do I you know follow what I've done my entire life being uh, a soldier or a government man um, or do I you know follow my conscience do what I think is right and uh you know kind of buck at the law a little bit and say i don't think that where we're headed is um is right uh it tells kind of a an interesting story and a story that um isn't you know totally foreign to uh real life we've had you know instances where people have been divided based on uh legislation uh political figures all sorts of things um you know religious uh you know 
conflicts way in the past uh it's happened over and over again where you have you know brother against brother fighting each other so um it is really a personal movie um you know i first saw this uh, probably about a month late actually because i uh, may 6 i was actually in uh africa at the time um i did not get to see this movie until i got back in the continent um so that was kind of a hard thing for me to have uh you know friends that had seen it and everybody uh that i was hearing yeah. and seeing online were just raving about this movie and the airport sequence um specifically that was a, a marvel to behold um but yeah ah, that was i <laughs> get ah, it um oh man yeah a fun fun movie um a good entry into the captain america saga um and a you know a good um you know building point off of uh the second avengers film off of age of ultron uh, michael what are your opinions on civil war so that third best film well maybe second best film overall third favorite mm-hmm. behind the uh, winter soldier and, and mm-hmm. guardians yeah now what i what i was impressed with was the the better balance here of heroes intermixed into like more still of a political game that that was you know exploring the consequences of your actions something that the fans were kind of like yeah like these people can go out here and do all this other stuff and they go home and they live in their tower yeah. at the end and this really explores that and then you get to see you know Iron Man's breaking point gosh like the, there's some powerful film uh, moments in this film I actually own the digital version I never buy digital versions uh-huh. of movies and you know I showed it to my parents and they really liked it. Uh, they didn't see that twist coming where where Bucky, spoiler alert, is actually the one who killed Stark's mm-hmm. parents. You know, even though he was under mind control. Like, there's that point where he goes, "Did you know?" And he goes, "Don't you know what to me right now? Did you know?" And he he, he goes, "Some of the best facial acting that has ever been mm-hmm. done." And 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 one of recent films, and he goes, "Yes." And he just kind of like the look on. Robert Downey Jr.'s face, he plays it. That the acting between those two right there just is spot oh, yeah. on. They got Joe and Anthony did such a good job getting all the emotion out of that, and they well directed those, those scenes. Uh, for me, this is a huge step forward and kind of solidifies, honestly, Captain America as one of the better movie trilogies. Mm-hmm. To be honest, like it is primarily and fundamentally around yeah. him. So I can't say that his Avengers solely part like mm-hmm. three, like you had mentioned, but it is it's similar to that. But it's still around him. Yeah. Like the, it is still focused and he and he plays it so well. And yes, the airpoint scene, what works is the humor. Like I love it when he go when Ant Man goes, Here, throw this and it expands, he goes, Oh, I thought that was a water <laughs> truck. <laughs> I, I love that. Um and the idea of when we, my one of my favorite little laugh out loud moment I was sitting next to my, my roommate Dan in the theater is when um, when Bucky goes to punch Spider-Man he just kind of stops it with ease he goes hey man you got a metal arm it's really cool <laughs> and the look on Bucky's face is just like what uh, because you basically you see him destroy things with that arm in the last two films and it's just stopped by a by a teenager I, I, with mm-hmm. one hand no big deal I, I thought that was fantastic uh, I, I had a lot of fun. It has a very high rewatchability oh, factor. Yeah. Uh, the action scenes alone are well worth it, but the stuff that's in between mm-hmm. there 
still has emotion and still makes sense. And I think that's what drives the film overall. And it has a very underrated villain. A lot of people criticize this film for not for having a throwaway villain. I don't think this was a throwaway Mm -hmm. villain. I thought they explained his motivation. Well, even though it's like, really, this guy's going to come from, uh, what was the place in age Uh, of Ultron? Zakovia. Zakovia. Sokovia. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, he's the one that, you know, he had lose his family on that day. It's believable, but the last ending of the film um where uh Mart Mart um Martin Freeman? Yeah. Right? Um his character goes, "How is it how do you feel that all the stuff that you did added up to this?" And to see that your plan failed. And he goes, "Did it?" You know, basically mm-hmm. implying did it fail? And it, and, it, and it doesn't fail. It, it does. It's a big paradigm shift. And, and it, even though it kind of ends on a high note, which I the only thing I disagree is that there was this makeup time here. I don't understand that. It goes from this very disjointed, very disheartening ending, like where they could have ended it, and then it's like, no, guess what? Uh, you know, Brody's on his way to recovery. You have a very funny and lighthearted Stan, Stan Lee cameo, and then you have this letter, and now they're kind of, like, making up. No, you don't mm-hmm. end it like that. I hate that. That's the <laughs> one thing I hate. Is like, why don't you let that emotion sit, f- and why don't you let the full movie and the full gravity situation sit with the audience? That's the only thing I disagree with. That's why I think this film isn't my f- favorite. It's in my top, it's in my top mm-hmm. three, but not my favorite at the very... Well, you know, I kind of disagree so, with that. I I like that ending scene saying like okay you know what um we've had this knockout drag out fight um they they came to the edge of murdering each other um but you know captain america still does the right thing in the end and says you know what i disagree with you um mistakes were made on both sides but when you need me i'll be there um it's you know giving everybody that glimmer of hope at the end um, and I think that that's a, a, a fun scene, but you're right. They do a fantastic job of balancing everything. It is very much a Captain America movie. It's also very much like a, an Avengers movie. It's it. They do a lot with the humor and with the emotional bits. They balance the, the grandiose fight scenes with the small character moments. Um, it's, it's a expertly done film. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed Captain America Civil War. Um, one of the, one of the top entries, uh, in the MCU overall. And, um, so far the best, you know, film of phase three, in my opinion. Uh, And, that brings us to the last one before we get to the one this mm-hmm. weekend. That would be Doctor Strange that was released. A very, you know, odd. We only usually see, you know, films in November um, do somewhat well. This one financially was a success. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange, November 4th, 2016, directed by Scott Derrickson. Bringing in Mr. Sherlock Holmes and not and John Harrison. Wait a minute. Not John <laughs> yeah, John Harrison. Harrison. Con! Um, uh, um, and... Gosh, man, this was a another step on, on you know into the unknown. You started with Guardians, mm-hmm. and then you made another one with Ant Man, and now you have Doctor Strange, which brings in the most interesting visuals to to the Marvel Cinematic oh, yeah. Universe. And I enjoyed it. I did. I still have not seen the entire thing, even though I paid to go see it in IMAX. Really? Uh, I'm yes. I we they realized through like the trailers and the first five minutes, um, they're 
we didn't have the right glasses. Uh-huh. Someone handed out regular 3D glasses, not IMAX mm-hmm. 3D. So it was the colors were off and it was blurry. So I ran out to get myself a better pair of glasses. So the opening scene at the temple at night, I've never seen oh. it. And I only started watching it when you see Rachel McAdams' character in the hospital like five minutes in. That I have still haven't seen the you entire You know, that's thing. where things kind of start in earnest. So you're not really missing a whole lot. But, um, you know, I do think that Doctor Strange was a, a fun movie. Um, it's, you know, similar to the vein of Ant-Man in that it's, you know, another character introduction. So we're not really digging into the meat of what make these guys tick. But um, it, it introduces that really kind of fun, wacky... Uh, mystical element to uh the mcu um they had a great choice of uh actors when they picked uh they picked um benedict cumberbatch to be stephen strange i think that he knocked it out of the park as far as i'm concerned um i i think that you know it's as a solo film um you know pretty good a, 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 a good movie overall but what i'm really interested to see is uh how they bring him into the universe at large um and that's really kind of you know the goal of all of these is to tie them all together link them up and then throw them in there and see how they do um i know that uh dr strange is going to make another appearance in uh the beginning of thor ragnarok um that was teased at the end of uh the movie of dr strange which i thought was um, a lot of fun um Mm -hmm. but yeah uh I, I thought it was a, a solid entry. Um, definitely not as good as uh, Civil War, but um, a fun movie, in my opinion. Steph and I only have one thing mm-hmm. to say. I have come to bargain. Yeah. <laughs> that, mo- that scene was Stephen, really good. <laughs> I only have one thing to mm-hmm. say. I have come to bargain. Yes. Dormammu, <laughs> I've come to bargain. Kill Dormammu, I've come to bargain. I mean, but this thing about that, introducing time to a timeless dimension, mm-hmm. brilliant plot point, wonderful oh, yeah. writing. Absolutely wonderful writing. I've got to give them props for that. And yes, and that and all of this you know, leads us, Mr. Mm-hmm. Stefan, to this Sunday. Many people have seen it. We're exercising patience and delayed gratification. A lot of restraint. To see Guardians, yes, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, uh, this coming Sunday evening with some good friends of ours and mm-hmm. family. And there there have been, basically the general consensus, overall positive. Some have said it's really, really good, may or may not match up to the first. Others saying it is bigger and better than the first. But the general consensus is that it's great. Go out oh, and yeah. see it. Regardless of that, obviously we're both excited what would you say you're most excited about or anticipating the most from this movie? Is it just being back with the characters, being back in the world? Like, what you is know, it being for back you? with the characters is definitely up there. Um, I I really like um, Groot and Rocket. Those are probably my two favorite characters out of the, you know the main cast um, that we've got there. But honestly, I've got to say that I think that uh, Russell, um, not Russell Crowe, geez. <laughs> He's not been in one of these movies. <laughs> Kurt Russell's character, Ego of the Living Planet, is um, you know the one that I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, because, the, again, this is like the next uh, phase of them saying, we can do whatever we want and we'll still make money. Um, they had a, a talking raccoon and a sentient tree last time. Now they have a, a living planet. A, a planet with a gigantic face on it in this movie. Um mm-hmm. I have no idea how they're going to make it all work, 
Um, but you know, the, the bizarreness of it is, um, something that I'm really, really looking forward to. Um, yeah, it's just, I think it's just going to be a fun time. I, I can't really fully express how much I am looking forward to seeing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Um, and honestly, the, the, the future of the MCU is looking bright, but, uh, Michael, if you could narrow it down to one thing, what is the, the big piece of this movie that you're, uh, excited to see? Well, if it does what people have said it does, it reminds me of why we go to the movies, and that's just to have a great uh-huh. time, to be able to laugh, and to be able to talk about it afterwards and say, gosh, what a great time with friends and with family. And there are not too many films that can do that nowadays and leave that impression. A lot of films are really good that leave you with this, wow, I have to really think about that. Or, you know, Star Wars, sometimes it's so big that it's like, how do I take all this in in Mm -hmm. one viewing? Sometimes, like, a night just goes by really fast. But you're able to just laugh and be in the moment. That's when the the movies are the best. And that's exactly what the first Guardians was. And I think all signs point to that being the same here. Yes, the characters, the humor. I just think the idea of that anyone can go and see this because the movie doesn't take itself that seriously. It knows what it is, and everyone can have fun. I think that's the the wide appeal to film in general, mm-hmm. and I think this embodies it. And I cannot uh, wait till Sunday, and that begins um, a, a new journey, at least for the Guardians, as they get closer to um, Infinity War and with and what I'm maybe with the post credit scene, maybe they'll they'll tease um, how they will become involved, but. You know, at least for for phase for phase three, the next film after this will be, uh, I'm assuming I think it's I think. Spider-Man, right? Let me pull yeah, it up Homecoming, really quick. Which, um, yep, we've actually it's, you know a nice thing. We've got three MCU films coming up this year: um, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, coming out this May, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming in July, and Thor: Ragnarok in November. Perfect. All three of them Perfect. look really strong from you know the previews and uh, early buzz and everything. Um, it's it's panning out like it's going to be a good year for MCU films, quite honestly. And I honestly can't wait, and trust me that next week we will have some of our thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and if you are perhaps a little gun-shy on going to see films the first and opening weekend, stick around. We'll have some thoughts next week and as to whether or not it's worth your money and worthwhile. We're certainly hoping so. But thank you guys for, for hanging, in with, hanging in with us for... A little bit lengthier, sorry about the mess, uh, podcast, but then again, I hope this was a trip down memory and nostalgia lane for you all as we look back on almost, I cannot believe, almost eight years, nine years, um, excuse me, of, of filmmaking that has, you know, kind of defined the majority of films that come out nowadays. I really, you, you kind of struggle to find someone who hasn't seen at least one Marvel yeah. film, and uh, the references in pop culture are everywhere and abundant, and I, I think it's pretty cool to be a part of, and I want to thank um, you, Mr. Stefan, for your coming on this journey with us. And here's to a few more good times at the movies coming up. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, uh, we set out doing this episode saying, ah, let's just do a, a smaller one, something a little bit quicker. Yeah, why um, not? Turns out we got an hour and a half to <laughs> be chatting. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Happens. A lot of fun. Um, nice to kind of, you know, take a trip down memory lane, evaluate each of the films before we come to the 15th entry in the MCU. Um, you know, the franchise that really is kind of defining the modern uh, comic book movie um, and is becoming a, a huge part in uh, current pop culture. When we look back on, you know, the the 2000s, early 2000s, and the, to, the teens, um, 
I think the MCU is really going to be uh, one of the highlights that uh, people, you know, pick out in our media nowadays. Um, but anyways, thank you everyone for joining us this week for Sorry About the Mess podcast. Uh, my name is Stefan Bell. And I am Michael Crable. Thanks for listening to the 39th episode. Again, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, anywhere fine podcasts are posted. So you guys take care and have a good week. Hey, it's Michael. Thank you for listening to the Sorry About the Mess podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any podcasting site or app by simply searching Sorry About the Mess. You can also find us on our Facebook page and on Twitter at SATM underscore podcast. Email any questions, comments, or concerns to satmpodcast at gmail.com. Blessings, everyone. Good job, up.